In episode 39 of The Business of Lifting Weights, we give a preview of what we've been working on over the last 18 months as we stepped away from the podcast. We go over some of the things we'll be sharing with you in future episodes and why it's important. We spend some time going over the biggest change we've made in the last 18 months, and that's adding a third gym into the mix and why this represented something much different and bigger than opening our first gym. We provide some insight into this new location and disclose how long it took to become profitable, as well as providing some of our data like churn percentage, membership numbers, and revenues, something most gyms keep hidden. We also talk about the change in the fitness landscape that's going on right now, what internal challenges we've struggled with, and lastly, we go over our process for creating coaches and assistant coaches as well as some other operational changes that we've made over the last 18 months and how they've affected our numbers. All right, guys, welcome back to the Business of Lifting Weights podcast. We are on episode 39, and uh, when we did episode 38, it was in September of 2017, <laughs> so it's been approximately 18 months since our last episode. Yep, right on right on schedule with our preferred frequency of a podcast every year and a half, so. <laughs> uh, making sure to deliver awesome content from that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> on an annual basis. Um, um, yeah, we obviously, we had the podcast. Um most people who are going to be listening to this were listeners before and something that we did really consistently for almost 40 episodes. Um, and then as we'll obviously get into some of the business updates here, uh, we had a lot of growth and a lot of new projects that unfortunately took our focus away from this podcast. But now that we're kind of settled a bit, we have some things in place. Um, we decided that the natural progression would be to kickstart this again, talk about all the stuff that we've had going on and share Different tactics we've used, practices, additions, subtractions, all really all that's been happening with the gym. Um, and I know that we have a ton going on that we want to get into with this episode. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, when we started, what, eight years, eight years ago um, yeah, with the two, gym, with yep. our first gym, um, you know, there was obviously the crazy busy um, first few years of just like trying to get your business off the ground, um, learning as much as you can, experimenting, all that stuff. And then like... I forget when it was, but there was a little bit of a lull for a couple of years, for me at least, where I was like busy, but I wasn't slammed and like felt like I had so much work to do. It was like a comfortable amount of work. Um, and then over the past two years, it was like right back up into like, I could be doing something 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Um, obviously, like you start handing that stuff out to your staff members and start creating a little bit of space again, um, which is kind of what we've been doing over the over the past uh, six months or a year or so, really trying to dial in, um, bringing on help and and all that stuff. So um, it, it's been pretty crazy that we've been back up in that in that crazy uh, crazy time where we just have so much going on. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think has been one of the major changes over the past year and a half is, like you said, we've gotten more help. We've scaled our job responsibilities much more. Mm-hmm. Um, I am no longer the head coach. You are no longer main point person for memberships, yep. and that's like those are two really significant changes. Um, so we'll kind of save some of that as we get into this. But really, our entire business has been restructured and grown in that time period since September of 2017. 
Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about uh, kind of the biggest change, and that's the addition of the third gym that we opened. Yeah, um, that was, I think, a huge stepping point for us um, because that third gym in some ways represented something different. Um, our first two gyms, I kind of feel like were you know, lumped in the same, the same boat, if you will. Um, but this third one brought about some changes in ownership, uh, changes in how everything was run, change in town. Um, so this new third location is in Ocean Beach, um, which is south of us here in Pacific Beach, all kind of under the umbrella of San Diego. Um, but it, it just represented a step out of, I don't know, you know, whatever you want to call it, our comfort zone, um, if you will, um, because Ocean Beach is a very different vibe and atmosphere than Pacific Beach, where our first two gyms were located. So that was kind of a massive step for us. Um, and to me kind of made uh, the gym and the product and the service um, and all that kind of viable to expand further um, because this was a big test for us um, and it's been going great so far. So um, we opened what last April? Yeah, it's been a year. Unbelievable. A 11 months, but yeah. a year by the time people will likely listen to this. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's the big thing. Um, that was the main reason that we kind of took a break on the podcast. Uh, we wanted to put all of our effort into there and then a lot of different projects and, and other stuff, um, started happening and, and we had to push it back and now we're kind of, I'm super excited to get it going. This is one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah, um, that the gym, the third gym was also really big because, you know, the first two that we had were in Pacific beach. The second one was an extension of the first one. And that was always like us two, Dave yeah. and Pritz. And we didn't really know if a gym would be successful with somebody else running it with our involvement completely non-existent on the client facing aspect of the right. gym. And so our third partner, Lenny, he was a coach here for many years. Um, awesome fit for our culture and um, really just kind of gets the leadership position and he's taken it run with it and he's just absolutely killed it. So it's been very validating from looking at it from a business perspective through our lens that we have a service and a business that we know can scale and grow that has nothing to do with our the two of us being there in person. Right. You know, it's all about the systems that we've worked for eight years to create to to create a system and a process for absolutely everything that occurs in the gym. That's been where I've been focused primarily over the past year and a half is just systemizing everything. And Lenny's done an amazing job and the gym is doing incredibly well. Um, I think we could probably do a whole separate episode on the process of opening that third gym. Right. Um, but you know, it's already creeping up towards close to 150 members and it was profitable after five months, I think. Uh, yeah, I um, believe right at the at the five mar five month mark, um, it became profitable, which is insane. Yeah, so that's been a really big step forward, um, obviously for the success in the bottom line of the gym, but more importantly, just for the confidence to continue to grow. And you know, not for nothing, but we've seen a lot of we've seen the industry take quite a turn over the last year and a half as well. Um, you know, when we stopped the podcast was kind of right when we saw a lot of like CrossFit gyms stop being called CrossFit and start being called like athletics and right. like blank fitness home of blank CrossFit. Yep. Um, you know, we, we've seen gyms close in this area, very, very well-known gyms. And it's been very uh, reassuring just to see our process and see our culture continue to climb 
when it appears that there's not as much rapid growth as there used to be in the industry. Yeah, um, it, it is pretty crazy. I, I like to call it consolidation. Um, you know, the a lot of the gyms are going under. Um, people are changing their names, like you mentioned, and then the good gyms are the ones that survive. Um, they're going to kind of consolidate all those members that are leaving the other gyms. So um, I, I believe our membership count um, is right around 800. Um, so um, in terms of growth, in the gym from two locations to three locations. Um, we also grew um, total members and obviously total revenue and um, all that fun stuff. Yeah, the gym really has kind of taken on a, a much different landscape, like we said. Um, I know our staff has also increased with that, so as well as the jump in membership, our staff has doubled. Yep. Uh, since the last time we did a podcast, we now have 17 staff members. So that's presented a host of different internal challenges and restructurings. Uh, like I said, I removed myself from the head coach position. Um, honestly, I don't even know if we had shared that prior, like if that was even in place, my timeline's kind of a little messed up, but, uh, Julianne's been our head coach for, um, gosh, I want to say, I mean, it's probably been two years at least. Um, so maybe she was at that episode, but yeah, her maybe, involvement maybe her involvement has been expanded greatly. She now runs programming for the gym. Um, she meets with all the coaches individually. We have now two team leaders under the head coach. Uh, so Chris and Brenna, who are two of our longtime most experienced coaches, they now have a team of four coaches underneath them that they mentor, uh, give feedback to, and just – um, are another point for communication to go up and down the chain. So we've worked really hard at improving communication, um, creating more feedback loops, and just doing a better job of creating smaller teams within a larger growing organization because that's one of the things we've always wanted to make sure that we keep is that feeling of, yes, we're growing, staff is doubling, but the feel is still the same because you're still with like your own miniature team within the team. So Yeah, a couple points about what you just mentioned. Um, first, now with team leaders, Julianne taking programming and head coach and all that, what would you say you do here? <laughs> I'm a people person. <laughs> yeah, it's been honestly, it's been very, you know, it's been very liberating because it allowed it's it's allowed me to focus solely on, like I said before, systemizing the gym, mm -hmm. creating processes, putting a structure in place so that we are less dependent on the individual and more dependent on there being kind of a system. Right. So um, that's not to diminish any one individual's contribution, but it takes the pressure off of that person because they're following a process rather than having to, you know, fix the wheel as the car is moving. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to that third gym in Ocean Beach and our new partner, Lenny, um, I, it's funny, like he opened this gym and I feel like he didn't realize how little he had to do <laughs> in a way, you know, it's like, um, you know, he's always hitting us up. He's like, Hey, what if we, you know, should I go like business to business and like whatever? I think he just has like a good amount of time to just, uh, yeah, he's got nothing going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like obviously he's, you know, doing a lot as the day to day manager over there. But like, I think that he expected that there was going to be a lot more work to do, but it's because, um, as you mentioned, like we've systemized everything to, work automatically to some degree um, obviously it still requires input and leadership and all that stuff but like the tasks and like the layout and the structure is all kind of built um, and so it's funny like I always think like what's Lenny doing probably 
Like right now. It's like, hey, he's probably just sitting on his couch and chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Lenny listens to this. I know. Well, uh, actually, not not now. He's coaching a class. But but yeah, um, it, does, it speaks to that point of like, you know, the joke of like, what, what have you been doing? Right. And it's all been making sure that there is that system in place so that, you know, for another example of it. And again, I think this is a good future episode to really dive into all the processes and systems that we've put in place. But, um, you know, what does it look like when we hire a new coach? Previously, yep. it was like... Um, is this person a good fit? Very subjectively. Uh, do we like this person? Uh, do people like them? Are they knowledgeable enough? And it was all, we all kind of brought our like individual opinion to the table. And now that process is very regimented. We've learned from obviously like every place making a few hiring mistakes, uh, but largely they've been successful, uh, because we have that, you know, system in place of like an actual trait checklist of, traits that we must have every person possess if they're going to be entertained to be hired. Right. Um, we didn't have that before, and it sounds so like trivial, but actually putting to paper and making the subjective objective and defining some parameters around every single thing that we do. Yeah, um, I think before it was like, you know, do we like this person? Do they Are they knowledgeable? Like, do we think they'll fit in? And it's like, if they fit those kind of three subjective things it's like yeah like let's bring them on board see how they try see how they do um and now it's like you run through our kind of official um checklist or if you will and score sheet and we rate them and it's like we may like them we may think that they have like a great background and education behind them but they're they're failing in a few key categories that makes it you know unlikely that we would hire them yeah, we also, uh, the Coach Academy is new. Yeah. So the last episode we did was obviously September of 2017 before we launched the first Coach Academy. And I know we were leading up to it at that point, but uh, that has really been a game changer for us. Um, that has been something that has grown every time we've done it. Uh, we will be putting on our fourth Coach Academy this summer. And it's done two things. Number one, it's kind of opened up our methodologies and philosophies on coaching to the outside market. It's been cool to see a bunch of gyms come in and just kind of see how we do things and take take tips and apply it to their practice. But number two, it's also set up a system for us to continue to hire coaches because yep. we now have this pool of applicants who have come in. They've gone through an immersion of our philosophies of how to coach. It's got nothing to do with knowledge that is taught and learned totally separate of this weekend. But it's given us a person that's reasonably refined enough to know how we want people to be coached from just a human being perspective. And then... They go from that process to doing a case study to then applying to be an assistant coach where they are a coach on the floor for at least three months, and then they become eligible to be a coach. So that process is brand new um, to the listener who has not been in the loop on what we've done over the last year and a half. And it has created, number one, a bit uh, stronger barrier to entry to become a coach, which mm-hmm. I think was needed. Yep. And it's flushed out people who maybe didn't, know if you know we're on the fence and not so sure if they're a good fit and I would say that for the most part every single person that we've had go through the system has been a great fit and ever since we've refined it even a little bit more um, I think we've I think we've nailed it on all of our last like three or four decisions yeah so that's been a huge a huge process for us because every time we've hired somebody it's just the process has been individualized for that person to get them up to speed, to get them what they need to know. And now it's part of that systemization that we've talked about creating 
um, that has completely revamped our onboarding and made it much better, much more seamless, and much more integrated across all that we do. Yeah, I think with what you've done with the staff is amazing because we, like you said, we have 17 um, staff members now, and to me it feels like it runs smoother than when we had eight. Um, and so it, it's been awesome, and it's funny, like... <laughs> I'll like go to send the staff an email or something like that, and I'll have to go to our coaches page to see. Make sure you got them. Yeah, all. make sure I got yeah. them all. Because I'm always forgetting like one or two, and then I go through the page. I'm like, ah, I'm forgetting Lenny, our gym <laughs> owner partner, <laughs> and he's not on the email. Poor Lenny, he's kind of getting killed right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> the thing I say about people that you love is you rag on them a lot yeah. because you love them, and you just. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, exactly. So, we love you, Lenny. Love, love the guy. Um, but yeah, that is another thing. And, you know, part of the reason why I did remove myself from the head, head coach position is it's a conflict of interest to be the owner of the gym and also the head coach. And I think some people will be able to relate to that listening to this because a coach needs to be able to talk to their head coach in a way where they can feel safe about what they have to say about how the place is run. Mm-hmm. So I did not... I, I, I could no longer be effective to say go up to like, you know, Kyle and work with him on his coaching and have it be a place of like truly, uh, you know, I don't want to say like safe space, but for him to feel comfortable being like, totally get it. I'll work on this. But hey, can I also tell you, like, I think we need to do this different and yeah. better because I'm the owner of the gym. Right. And it's exactly like you're not going to yeah. say that to somebody who owns owns the business. So um it's just it's made communication a much easier flow and much more collaborative by being less involved and almost creating like a choke point for that communication to occur through no ad, you know through no purposeful behavior but it's just the natural dynamic of that natural conflict existing so by taking myself out of it i can now just be the owner and i can now help julianne where she needs help but also step way back from that when it's needed give the staff what I want them to be doing operationally. And then Julianne helps them when it comes to actually like the specific individual intangibility of coaching and like, Hey, you're doing great with this, but you should work on this and your delivery of the prep or something like that. That doesn't need to be anymore. Number one, I'm no longer the best person for it, but it also doesn't serve the business as well. So, yeah, I think um, you mentioned there were two things about the coach Academy that have been great. You covered one of them. No, I said the second one was onboarding us, being able to like, give us qualified coaches in addition to getting our methodologies out to people in the outside, uh, outside of our four walls and in the industry to come in and kind of see how we do things. Gotcha. I must have blacked out for that. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. Um, um, but another thing, too, that I think has been really substantial over the past year and a half has been our churn. So our retention has gotten much better. Yep. Uh, why don't you talk us through a little bit of the numbers of kind of where we're at now, where we were in 18 and also 17 when we last recorded. Um, I don't have those specific numbers right in front of me um, as a whole, but I can tell you in 2018, um, our churn was 4.25%. Um, and I know me and you have like gone back and forth on the industry as a whole and like what is good in the industry. Um, so I know that you've gotten a few numbers from a few different sources. Um, why don't you mention like the range that you've seen as like churn in this industry? Because I do think that's super important that people understand the industry mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, and I think because there's so many different like sub pockets of fitness 
that maybe why it's such like a, a large range. Yeah. Um, and do, you, do you remember any of those numbers that, that you came across? Yeah, I do. And it's, it's, it's so specific to the type of environment that you're in because some cities are going to be much more transient than the others. Right. Like I listened to a podcast with the owners of, um, God, I hope you get the name right. I think it was NYC CrossFit, CrossFit NYC. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the largest CrossFit affiliate in the world. And yep. they, they said that they had 1200 members and they lose a hundred members a month. Yeah. And that's, you know, you do the math on that, that's a churn of 8%. Yep. New York City is also incredibly transient, right. just like San Diego. Right. Um, so I've heard on different podcasts, people say the industry average is 10 to 11% a month. And I've heard that it's 1% to 2%. I straight up don't believe 1% to 2%. Um, yeah, I think it's probably closer to 10%. Yeah. Um, I would honestly like love to hear feedback from listeners what their churn is. But relating it back to our churn being at um, 4, 4.25% last year, that's incredibly successful for us and why I think it speaks to the systemization of what we've been doing to get that into place because we are much more focused at this point on retention than we are growth. Right. You know, we've kind of hit our growth capacity for our um, Pacific Beach and Crown Point locations with that gym being at 650 members. We're not going to get much higher than that. Right. But we can retain people and continue to get like more qualified people in the door. Um, so I know 2017, we were right at about 5%. 2018, okay. we dropped down to 2.5%, which was very significant. And then we're off to a 2019 start of 3.9%. 25 percent 4.25%. Oh. Um, I was like, we had a year of 2.5%. <laughs> so like 5% that? in 2017, 4 and a quarter in 2018, and now 39 in 2019. Yep. So... Um, that's something that we work a ton on and again, kind of teasing a future episode all about how we've gone about reducing our churn and increasing our attention to those levels. But um, it's such an important part of the business that I think people are so focused on like all these different lead gen systems and all these people saying we can get so many people in the door, but no one really tells you how to retain those people. Right. And that's so much more important so than much getting more people important. in the door. So, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, if you're able to retain more members, um, you know, you're going to get referrals, you're going to get more people through creating a better experience and you don't have to get as many new people. And the way I look at it is if you're relying on advertising to get your members, like you're kind of bribing people to come in because your natural experience is not good enough. You're like out there paying money to try and get people to come in when you could be doing a much better job internally um, that kind of runs that system by itself. So um, just in like talking through a lot of these updates over the past year and a half, I'm like super excited because this is more of a general overview of what we've been doing and kind of like what we've been working on. But like once we start hammering down these future episodes of like specific stuff, I'm like super excited to get into that. Yeah, I know we've been looking also at, you know, we talk about how important retention is, but in the same at the same token, we're also always focused on trials. Like we know we need a specific amount of people in the door each month because we know we're going to convert at a very predictable level and we know kind of the exact number that we need to make sure that the health of the business is where it needs to be to not only obviously pay the present bills, but also continue to to grow the gym and increase the revenue and make sure that it's that it's healthy for the long term. Yep. Um, 
so yeah, we'll we'll cover some of that specific turn stuff and uh, retention stuff in a, in a future episode. But let's move on to kind of some of the big operational differences from the last uh, episode till now. Um, there's some big ones, some like major changes that we've done um, that have all been extremely positive, and that's shown in that reduced churn percent. Um, so you know. For me, one of the big ones is our cycles, how we do our training cycles. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the, the update and what we've been doing with that? Yeah, so we, you know, um, three years ago, we went from, you know, the quote, if you want to use the CrossFit term, constantly varied. Um, we went from that model of training to much more periodized. So we use a model of periodization with our training now. 2018, we did, excuse me, 2017, we would go from eight-week cycle to four-week cycle, eight-week to four-week. 2018, we decided to test just the four-week cycle. And now in 2019, we are at six-week cycles. So if you want to aggregate that all into a tangible number, if you recall what we said the churn was in 2017 at 5%, now we're down 3.9%. So all of that, the structure of the training has drastically contributed to the, the higher retention. And the feedback that we get from that is, you know, we use a new member for an example. We've, we've gotten a lot of feedback from those members are called our phase one athletes. And they've told coaches like, man, we really love going from four to six weeks because, you know, I'm not just coming in here and trying to learn something in a single class. Like I now have six weeks. I know that if I come to uh, Monday class for the next six weeks, like I'm going to learn how to do a hang muscle clean and I'm going to be really good at it by the time it's done yep. rather than like, I got to work on it a little bit today. Who the fuck knows when I'm going to get to do it next time. Right. So it's created that structure for the new person. That is huge. We, our focus is uh, very centric on new members from a business perspective. We need to nail that experience to be successful. Yep. So again, kind of, kind of teasing another topic, but from the person who's not the phase one athlete for the average member going to the now far end of that opposite spectrum, talking about the person who is there maybe for performance and numbers and lifts, <clears throat> they have appreciated it much more because it now gives them six weeks to squat every Monday and just follow progressive overload periodization, getting stronger in that lift. There's no disputing that that is more productive than squatting consistently is better than squatting randomly. Um, to that, we've seen very favorable feedback in the tangible numbers and tracking, and we can observe that because we have the app um, as well. And then the middle of the board person, somebody who's in there for health and fitness, number one, most of them don't care what it is because right. they're there to work out. But right. number two, like I've specifically tasked Julianne and Lenny of like, hey, get some feedback from like the people who aren't so vocal in their love for the gym. Like let's let's get some some of the quieter members. Right. And in all their feedback, people seem to love it because for the same reasons, like kind of phase one liked it and kind of the advanced people liked it. It's yeah. like they're the aggregate of that. They like being able to work on something for six weeks, see some progress. And there's so much variety in the conditioning tiers and in some of the secondary movements that it still feels like it's that varied aspect. Right. So um, that's been huge. I have no idea what numbers will look like in December after six weeks, after the six-week cycle. Uh, but through the first two months, it's great. Feedback's good, and people seem to really like it and stick with their development, which has been good to see. Yeah, yeah. as a member myself, like I've – kind of loved all those changes as well. Um, four weeks was too quick. Um, you get in, you 
you know, your first couple weeks is like establishing that pattern and that initial strength and base again. And then you have like two weeks to kind of really add on to it. And so just having those extra two weeks at the end of that cycle now is, is for me, it's made a massive difference. Yeah, it's been big. And another thing that we've done, um, we decided to implement towards the end of last year to prep for this year has been nutrition. Yep. So, um, talk a little bit about just kind of some of the some of the uh, implements that we put into place um, with new members and just information and kind of what we're what we're doing with that. Yeah, nu- uh, nutrition's super tricky, um, as I'm sure a lot of gyms realize. It's it's one of those things that um, it's hard to implement on a large scale, um, and large scale meaning like a gym population, like more than one person at a time. Yeah, like it, it's easy if you get the person that wants to spend you know, a few hundred bucks a month to get like custom personalized hand-holding nutrition. Like, you know, that's, that's totally separate. Um, it's really challenging to establish a nutrition program for the gym. Um, and that is kind of what we've, I, I would say we've started on that process. Um, the initial process that we do now is, um, you know, when onboarding new members coming into our phase one program, um, getting our auto emails as they join as a new member, they're getting um, a, basically a nutrition, I hate the word ebook, um, but they're getting a guide to help them with their nutrition and kind of like take baby steps towards, um, you know, tor- towards more advanced nutritional stuff, which will be able to help them with some of our future programs um, that we'll be implementing here shortly. So long story short, um, when they join, they get a, a free ebook guide um, that walks them through nutrition, and that's just free to every new member that joins. Um, so for those people that then need a little bit more, um, we're going to be launching two new programs. Well, we launched one um, now, and that's we're in the middle of that right now. It's going great. And then we're going to be launching another program, um, I believe. When's the first one? Hopefully in April. In um, April. So, so the one going on now is obviously the 10-week group nutrition coaching program. We won't get into too many details on this episode, but uh, we made the decision of like, we can continue to just say nutrition is too hard to do, like, or we can just dive in and do everything we can to try to make it successful. And it's just so funny because, you know, nutrition is going to be the driver of every result that people get. The people who are in the most shape, the best shape are the people with the, the best nutrition. So, it's just we've so long under-delivered in what we can provide with people that we just made the decision to kind of go all in with it. So, you know, front-loading that process with, like, the ebook that people get, um, taking them through their first 12 weeks in three, four-week blocks, reinforcing that with the group coaching, um, and then launching another six-week program um, that we're going to start in April that's kind of a little bit more consolidated with that Um also making the decision of like, we want to get a dedicated nutrition point person in place yep. and bringing up Ashley, one of our coaches, um, who's like currently in the certification program for precision nutrition, uh, really kind of hoping to be able to turn over the reins to her where it's like, you know, if you have nutrition questions, like this is the on staff person that you can access anytime. Yep. And I just think that having that component is going to be such a big part of our retention and being able to provide more value for our members and something that like is in my opinion a non-negotiable right um if you want to actually get results and create some sustainability with the program so kind of kind of to make the whole gym a much more holistic place and not just 
where people can kind of throw around weights for an hour and then go back to whatever they were doing. Yeah, and kind of the takeaway for gyms um, is if you don't have a good nutrition program going on right now, um, we'll be kind of breaking down all these again in future episodes um, a little bit more specifically, especially as we go through and kind of finalize our processes, um, learn what works and what doesn't work. Um, And that's kind of going to be a theme on my end for the podcast this year is to get a lot uh, more specific and deeper with general numbers, data, um, all kinds of different stuff that people can use and say like, okay, this is how we're doing compared to another gym. Um, Because that's something that I look for a lot um, and I can never find it on other podcasts and um, looking at other gym sites and stuff like that. It's just like, you always want to know where you stand, where you stand because there may be things that you realize like, I'm doing a crap job at this. Um, and so there's other gyms that are doing it better. How do we do it better? Yeah, I think it's also been, you know, we've always been hesitant to share the numbers because we don't want people to be like, oh my gosh, like they're doing this much money right. per month. And like, well, you know, <clears throat> they make this much, you know, people hear that your revenue is, you know, $90,000 a month. And they think that like you're a millionaire. Right. <laughs> and it's like, they don't understand that. Guess what? There's 60 grand plus <laughs> worth of expenses that go along with that. Um, and there's also 17 coaches and two partners and a third partner in OB. So um, I do think it, it's, it's something that's going to be really uncomfortable for both of us. Yep. Like talking about those numbers. Um, but I think it's going to be much more beneficial and kind of authentic and real of like, Hey, these are our challenges. These are our struggles. This is where we've been successful, and we can show you that because this is our this is our data and these are our numbers. Right. And what we don't want people to get caught up in is thinking that like you have to be at a certain financial level to be deemed successful. Right. You know, there's gyms out there that can make fifteen thousand dollars a month, and that's going to be really successful because they have two people working there and their rent is a thousand dollars. Right. And I've I've heard I've heard people on shows talking about that. And then there's obviously the gym in New York City that has to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on permitting right. to stay open. So we'll share our experience in our market and we'll be very, very forthcoming on our numbers and our, our expenses and our rent and all that. Uh, but it's important to keep it in perspective just where, where you are, what you can achieve, what's good for you um, as we kind of dive into that more this year. Yeah, you know what's funny, uh, personal story, is I decided that I realized what my definition of success is, and it's when you can, when you have batteries before you need them. <laughs> that was like the moment that it hit me that I was like, all right, we're doing pretty well. Like, I have 32 batteries, and I am only have four in use right now. And I was like, ah, this is this is Man. great. <laughs> Three years of working on a podcast to ultimately relay to people that we want you to be able to afford batteries. <laughs> Think you about it when you're when you're like uh, in your college dorm room and you make you know you obviously have no income and you're eating ramen noodles. You never have batteries. Yeah, I, I really don't want to take the wind out of your sails, but I've always had batteries in my house. <laughs> I actually heard somebody the other day, I forget the context of the conversation, but they said that you were like specifically excited to tell them that you had batteries at your house. Yeah, this has been like a, a, a rant that I've been going on for the past like four or five months. But it is it is true and it is funny because it brings up the point of like every single person has a different definition of success. Yeah, absolutely. And like... Whatever it is, if it's 
having sufficient batteries at your house. <laughs> or if it's, you know, I, I think for every person, it's the combination of like, let's not forget, it needs to be financial. Yeah. Like if you're stressed financially, you're never going to be able to enjoy something. Right. So you have to get your finances in order, but also making sure it's still a place that like culturally represents what you want it to represent that serves the community. That's another rant that I will be going on in future episodes is like <clears throat> the claim that a lot of places have to be about serving the community yet they charge over $200 a month and all their branding is like so aggressively. We only want fit people here. Right. So it's like, yeah, we, we truly want to continue to be for the community. And that has to be a large part of the success too. You know, if you're just creating a gym that serves replicas of yourself, then like what the fuck are you accomplishing right. besides just kind of feeding, feeding your own ego with it. Right. Um, so that to me is, is definitely a large part of it. And, you know, I think we do a good job of sharing that on the show, but to, to kind of wrap up that talking point of like, we need to include the numbers with it so right. that we can actually help people with understanding and how to forecast some of that stuff. Absolutely. Um, and our third biggest kind of operational change or update um, is going back to the coaching staff. Uh, one of the reasons we have 17 coaches now. Um, talk a little bit about the assistant coaching program that we have implemented. Yeah, so, you know, not not a ton of details needed on that one, but our classes are, are pretty big, and we, we started to not love uh, the ratio of member to coach in a lot of some, in some of the classes, some of the peak class times. So we have assistant coaches who are just that. They'll help out in the busier class times on the days where we have more complex movements, and they work underneath slash alongside of a coach, and it's a way for us to have two, two coaches on the floor. Um, so it serves kind of three purposes. Number one, it creates fulfillment for people who want to be assistant coaches. Mm -hmm. Number two, it gives us more help in the immediate term. Mm -hmm. And number three, it helps groom people who are ultimately going to be coaches. Yep. Um, and that's been, man, that we, that's been an incredibly popular position. I mean, when we have had a vacancy, it's been filled like within the day almost, um, just kind of people, I don't want to say lining up to do it because that would be a little bit misleading. Right. But their, their knock on wood has not yet been a shortage of inflow to create people moving up the ladder with it. Um, and I think it's just created such a, a better experience on days where like we have squats to have two people work in the floor and helping people and right. dedicated person to help new members. And it's, it's just been, it's been really uh, helpful on the retention aspect. Yeah. Um, great. Um, you know, we're running up on 38 minutes. Let's kind of quickly go over for some of our plans, uh, moving forward. Um, so, you know, one of the, one of the big things that we talked about earlier is industry trends, uh, sustainability. Um, what do you see in the marketplace in general right now? Like a as a whole, like, where do you see it going? I feel like such a douche being like another episode that we're going to be doing cause we said <laughs> that like 10 times and it really is going to be another episode. Um, but from what I see with it is, um, functional fitness, strength and conditioning, CrossFit, whatever the catch all phrase is. Uh, I don't want to say it's peaked, but I don't think it's going to grow. Um, I think that we're always going to have people that want to do this kind of stuff and that can be convinced to do this kind of stuff. But if you just look around at the industry, you know, all these different franchises popping up, and I don't think some of them are, are set up to be viable. Um, but, you know, I don't want to start mentioning gyms by names either. But you see, like, some gyms reduce some locations, like very noteworthy gyms. Yeah. 
And you see a lot of gyms in our local market go from, you know, 7,000 foot facilities to 2,000 foot facilities. So I do think the writing is on the wall that you're going to have to adapt and evolve if you want to stay in this long term and you want it to be a career. If it's a fun project for you to have a gym where like people are crushing heavy weights all the time, more power to you. Just don't call yourself a business. And that's where I specifically am really going to be looking at is how can we create sustainability? Number one, for the person who is in the gym, how can we best serve them to make fitness a long-term part of their life? Mm -hmm. And number two, how can we set the gym up to be sustainable in helping them with that journey? Yeah. Um, So more diverse offerings, speaking to people more on their goals, understanding that the average person in there is not in there to get as strong as possible. We know that tangibly through data. Yep. Um, and making sure that we're a place that just continues, like I said, to serve to serve the needs of the community. And we want to be that place that is the one-stop shop for that. That's uh, not to say we want to do absolutely everything, but we just want to make sure that we and the people in our gym are set up to be sustainable with the fitness. Yeah. Um, and I know from your end, like, you know, we're always looking at different locations, um, different ways to grow. Like we're super picky and it's why we grow really slow. Um, but just kind of talk about some of the business things with what we look at for growth, sustainability, and making sure that we don't go backwards when we take a step forwards. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. We opened up, uh, ocean beach in April last year. Um, I would say that we had been casually looking for a location for what, two years before that. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I, want to caution people that, um, are looking to grow to not just jump into a place because it could work. Um, we do so much data analysis, market analysis. Um, we project new locations out to the five year mark. Um, we just do like so much initial research in order to find the right location. Um, arguably maybe a little bit too much at times. Um, and I think that we're going to maybe like adjust that a little bit so that, um, you know, we're, we may be able to grow a little bit faster, um, in the future, but we are looking at other locations. Um, when other locations pop up, we're going to analyze them. If they're, you know, if they fit the, the needs and the numbers, then we'll probably be moving forward. Um, so I'm excited to just keep that side open and see where it goes. And, uh, you know, I think we're at the point now with testing Ocean Beach and um, realizing that that's a huge success that we're kind of able to expand now. Yeah, I think for us, it's always making sure that like we keep, you know, to me, I, <clears throat> to me, I kind of judge it by like when we're talking about a place, are we using the word like could a lot? Right. It's like, well, this could work. Like, yeah, if we do absolutely. this, this could work. And it's if you find yourself constantly talking like that, then it's probably not the best decision. Yeah. And could obviously results to success a lot of the times, but I much prefer will. Yeah. Like this will work because we have seen this. And I think for us, it just boils down to our single biggest strategy for continuing to sustainably grow from an overhead perspective is we just, we don't let ourselves get carried away on the rent as tempting as it's been. I know. Like we've seen a couple locations in Claremont, which is a town over and there's nothing there. And like, there's been a few spots that are like $1,500 out of budget, but it's like having the discipline to be like, ah, like, God, that would be, that, that could work, right. but we, we can make to that know work, that, it, that yeah. it will work. Yeah. Um, and man, it's tough because like I've walked into some buildings that are just absolute gems and I know that that could will turn into a will, but it's like, we're just not willing to jeopardize it because 
we'd prefer to make calculated decisions that we know have a much higher success rate. Yeah. So, um, and then I know kind of the third, the third aspect of that, um, looking at trends for sustainability, not getting carried away with overhead, and then making sure we retain our long-term employees. Um, that's one of the things that we've, we've always been focused on is giving people uh, ownership of the process, giving people shared revenue. Um, you know, we have bonus programs, we have profit sharing in place, we have 401ks, uh, but we, we, we want to continue to focus on our really valued employees uh, team members who've been with us, team members who are who are all in on themselves, yep. and we want to make sure that we reciprocate that and go all in back to them. Um, so really making sure that we kind of lock lock down and create career paths for people. We've always talked about that. That's why I'm so proud of kind of what we've been able to to do with Julianne. Right. You know, she came in as a part time yoga teacher, and now she's a head coach with stable income, a retirement plan and medical. Right. And it's like that. I, I'm, I'm extremely proud of that. Like yeah. I, I'm oh, yeah. very, very happy that we could, we can be a place that can do that for people in fitness because so many people in the, in this industry, like scrape by coach at three different gyms, pay rent, don't have a lot of secondary income. And I'm not saying we can do that with 10 people on our right. staff, but I want to do that with as many people as we can, who, who prove to us that they're invested, who prove to us they do a great job. Like I want to be the place that reciprocates that. So. Yeah. I mean, Julianne, she's put her life into this and, um, we appreciate that more than anything. And like, she's about to go on a two week vacation to where's she going? Uh, Spain and France, Spain and yeah. France. Like that's awesome that a fitness professional can do that and not have like, a, you know, I'm going to drain my bank account because of this. Hopefully like, not. That, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it just like we we, you know, in a no bullshit way, I believe it's the right thing to do, and it's also critical thing to do for the business right. to make sure that we are getting the people who are such a large part of the success to continue to be successful here. Yeah. So. Um. So yeah, I got nothing else. Um. But like I like I said, I'm super excited to tackle. Kind of we we went over on a in a broad view of a lot of different stuff like we're going to be hammering home a lot of these things on a micro scale um with like data numbers um we'll be pretty transparent with all that stuff so i'm excited yeah i'm, I'm really excited and i know we teased a bunch of future episodes but if there's any topics that people do want to hear or if listening to this you know you wish we went down a, a little more of a rabbit hole with it like let us know so we can build out some of this content um, and make sure that it's all included and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time. If you'd like to learn more about Performance 360 and our systems for increasing membership numbers, revenue, and processes to run a more profitable gym, check out perform-360.com slash growth.